<laughs> yes, be seated. Happy Thanksgiving. I was, where was I? Oh, that was run through last week when all those kids came for the story at the beginning and they asked, what is your favorite part of the meal for Thanksgiving? And they're listing vegetables and potatoes. And that's when I turned to Matt. He says, what is this, a vegetarian church? Where's the turkey? That's all right. You know, the story goes as follows. There was a manufacturing plant that had a very complex piece of machinery and that was very large, very intricate, intricate, and it filled almost an entire room. It was essential to the business. And so when it began to struggle or malfunction, you could understand the concerns that arose with the owners because they needed this to work very efficiently. So they were given the name of someone who was very familiar with this type of machinery and they called him for a consult. They needed to find where was this problem originating in this machinery. So he arrives, he walks around for a few hours, he's putting his hand on the machine, he's listening, he's prodding here and there, and at one particular point on the equipment, he finally stops, he pulls out a felt, and he writes an X, points to it right there. He then proceeds to write out an invoice to the owner who was standing right there, and it was invoiced for $10,002.50. Owner's taken just a little bit back, and he kind of says, well, do you mind if we could have a breakdown of this invoice? And he responded, well, absolutely. $2.50 for the felt marker and, ten, and to mark the X on the machine, and $10,000 because I knew where to put the X. A little fascination I have with just the knowledge and the craftsmanship of so many people and so many in their fields and their trades. They basically allow them, because of their skill and the knowledge, to know where to put the X. You know, back when the iPhone 6 came out, because when you look at technology today and just what we need to understand, just the iPhone 6 itself, its clock, just the clock, was 32,600 times faster than the best Apollo-era computers. They could perform instructions, they said, 120 million times faster. The clock. You wouldn't be wrong in saying that an iPhone then could have been used to guide 120 million Apollo-era spacecraft to the moon all at the same time. To say that we are advancing in knowledge and technology is an understatement. The mobile computing that originally was so large and meant for laptops, and way back when the first computer came out, it filled an entire room, but then along came smartphones and the computing power of that. But do you realize even today our cars are powerful computing platforms? They are starting to pack more computer power than even laptops. They're stuffed with CPUs and GPUs and cameras and sensors and networking hardwares. And cars are this driving state-of-the-art in technology. They have all the bells and the whistles. And if you're like me, if they ever broke down, you wouldn't even begin to know where to look. So when we drive off the lot with these new fangled machines, we are given a mystery of technological advancements. 
And then we're given a manual. Usually a really thick manual that sits in the glove compartment, or should I say maybe given PDF files to download on your phones. But we are told, okay, you may not fully understand everything about these vehicles, but here's what you do need to understand. One, fill the tank with fuel. That's really going to help. Rotate the tires every once in a while. Keep the air pressure. I did that this morning. Little screen popped up and said, that tire's low. Fill it now. Okay. So I went and I filled it up. New software to download, possibly. Nothing grandiose. Nothing too much for us as a person to understand their cars. But we're given a few of these. Because... Even without gas, no matter how much computing power your car has, it can't back out of the driveway even if your hands aren't on the wheel and it's using reverse technology. Now, we understand possibly why certain filters need to be changed. We might grasp somewhat the software challenges that have to be updated, some of the maintenance things and practices that we have to do, but we don't fully understand all the intricacies of a car or technology, but we're in comfort knowing that someone does. And when we need to go, they know where to put the X. They know what to do with the vehicle. So here's where I'm going with this. There is a tendency in our time, and I see with people in our pursuit of spirituality. Sometimes there are people who say, well, the spiritual is so important that we really just need to forget about the physical altogether. And some people go to the real extremes and live maybe like John the Baptist or monks in the days gone by that we really restrict any physical influences of the world around us. Others may treat spirituality as a free-for-all. A spirituality that sometimes, you know, I pick and choose something that suits my comfort level. Something that I feel confident in. But there's no considered effort with regards to theology. And you go, well, what's theology? Simply stated, it, it's the attention in the process of spirituality that we give to God. As revealed, we would say, in the Bible, in the Scriptures, and in the person of Jesus Christ. Study and knowledge of God. Now, others might turn around and say, why? I don't really buy into any of the spirituality or theology, and I simply work from the perspective of biology. The physical, things that I can see, things that I can touch, things that we can prove in the labs. I read a book recently by a microbiologist who, by the way, did change his mind down the road, but at one point he wrote this. Unfortunately, I had no such conviction that my own life had a purpose. I didn't believe in God, though I confess that on occasion I entertained the notion of God who ruled with an extremely honed, perverse sense of humor. I was, after all, a traditional biologist for whom God's existence is an unnecessary question. Life is the consequences of blind chance. It's the flip of a friendly car card or he says to be more precise he says really it's the random shake of a dice that's what life is when we talk about a matrix not the movie but a matrix in biology 
It's in reference to a, a set of conditions that they are looking for that somehow provides a system in which things can grow, grow healthy, can develop. In other words, creating the best set of conditions to develop longevity. And so we have all these people giving advice of this is what you need to do with your bodies, this is what you need to do with the food intake, et cetera, et cetera, to, pro to produce longevity in life. Well, Scripture talks about another matrix of humanity. It's how God created us in its entirety, involving the physical, involving the mental, emotional, social aspects, and the spiritual. And that's why sometimes you have verses that the Bible says, you know what, guys, with all your heart, all your feeling, with, with all your soul, the depth of who you are as a human being, with, with all your mind, he says, love God. Use it all. Encompass the entire matrix. Because if we ignore any one aspect of what God created, the miracle of the machinery in the sense that we are, well, then we begin to pay a price. We begin to lose out. And so he has given us a maintenance manual. It's called the Scriptures. He has given us the Holy Spirit to take and sometimes mark the X in those areas of our lives that say, you're going to need a little help here to understand what's going wrong with your life at this point in time. And so we read in, in Romans 8, 11, and if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, if He is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. He wasn't talking about immortal bodies. He wasn't talking about the heavenly bodies. He says that God's presence alone in our lives as we invite Him and involve Him, they can even take potentially this, this sin-filled, natured body of us, a corrupt body that the body is taught about, and He can heal it. It's his strategy, his design, his blueprints. Now, like with most technology today, I'm not going to fully understand all the intricacies of Scripture. We're not going to take an, a finite mind and somehow say, well, now I fully understand an infinite God. We won't come to that conclusion all the time. But he does give us hints. He does give us markers. You know, even my, my son and daughter-in-law are now in Italy and Germany, and, you know, they, they send a text and a picture, and within seconds, I'm looking at it. I'll never figure that out. I don't care how well you explain that to me. How is that possible? But it happens, and we are called to be led by the ultimate felt holder, the Holy Spirit, on an ongoing process of what they call spiritual renewal that will also impact so many other avenues of the matrix of who we are, our physical, our minds, our emotional state, our ability to create relationships with those around us. They're all connected. Not one is evil and one is good. As we learn to live by these, these marks, 
We can create the best set of conditions in this matrix to experience the full package of creation and life and the opportunity before us for now, for here, and yes, for all eternity. Because our bodies will die. I did a funeral yesterday. But since we are, as the Bible says, the temple of God, in other words, the dwelling place of God's Spirit, when we invite Him in, it bodes us well to maintain even this temple of God. I would rather do God's kingdom working with health than no health. But yet, we can't just focus on that and spending all our time and all our finances and resources to purchase physical health at the exclusion of spiritual life. Because that carries a cost. And so the Holy Spirit, the Counselor's promise is to guide us in the way we should function. To place X's like, hey, that sin needs to be dealt with. We need to confess that. Uh, those relationships, that needs to be repaired. In fact, we're told and sometimes, don't even bother coming to the altar to bring worship to God until you get that fixed. That's important. We need to love. We need to understand truth that we have to implement into our lives. We may not even fully understand why God is saying that, but we must do it. Because he offers a path for us that is specifically for us. And like the Model T Ford that came on and started the revolution of mass production, we're not all the same coming off the line. We are a unique creation. And there is a path that God says is specific to me and specific to you. And God had health in mind. He had it in mind when he created cells that rejuvenate in us that wash out the dead ones. He made that. It was part of his plan. But he also had a plan when regards to suffering and things we have to walk through and war against, like in our flesh, that battle of the mind, the kingdom of darkness, we are told, around us. See, it's this complex matrix of the physical and the spiritual and the emotional that's why Paul struggled. And I, the whole text, you can read it in Romans 7, but he goes, the whole thing is, you know that this law is spiritual, but he goes, I'm unspiritual. It's, it's like I'm sold as a slave to sin. He said, I don't get it. I, I want to do good, but I, I just don't. And if I do what's good, you know, I'm going along with what the law is saying, but somehow there's something in me, he says, that always leads me the other direction. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. Why do I keep doing it? And he says, now if I do, it's, it's, sometimes it's even no longer me. It's sin nature within us. So why he says, I find this law at work. See, really, his whole language, his ears, he's talking about the whole matrix. He says, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I, I delight in God's law. I get excited about truth. I preach truth. And then I turn around and I drive to Renfrew and I'm yelling at people who are slowing me down. I'm getting upset. I'm getting worked up. He says, but I see another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And he goes, oh man, thanks be to God, deliver me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He summarizes all of the battles. 
See, we're prone for breakdown. We're going to break down. We're going we're to disintegrate as we get older. And free will and creation and how God lined it all out has led to an onslaught of potential failures. And self-maintenance is going to be really, really important for humanity because we need help. Scripture calls it some deliverance. Lord, something's not running right. I, I, need that. I need the red light to come on and, and I need to know the X. Because you know every intricate feature of the human body. You knew that in, in the womb of my mother. And so we begin to look at things like, well, God says anger and, and fear and worry. They, they create a potential distance between us and others and us and God, but take the complete matrix. It also is killing our bodies. It's not good for us. Why do we have verses like Proverbs 17, 22, when he says, you know what? Here, get this. A cheerful heart is good medicine. A cheerful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit, that just dries up the bones. It's a mix. This constant stress hampers relationships with our Creator, but it wears down your body mentally, physically, putting at risk for serious illness. Some of the greatest research in the last 40 years has documented how stress causes or contributes to this incredible wide range of health problems from infections all the way to infertility. Some saying that 90% of all doctor visits today are related to stress, not your DNA and something you were passed down with. We were not created to live like this. See, the manual, or it, it tried to warn us. What did it say, Matthew 6? Jesus says, okay, guys, listen up. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about your body, what you're going to wear. I'll be honest, I struggled this morning. I'm with my wife, and I'm getting ready. Why, this looks terrible. This doesn't look good. I don't feel good in this shirt. This is too tight. I am stressing out about what I'm going to look like in front of you. And Jesus said, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. God takes care of them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single day to your life? That's some good physical advice. In fact, by worrying, we take off a lot of days of our lives. And I'm thinking, the felt markers at work, right there, they, God was trying to tell us, you may not physically understand all what's happening in your body and in your mind and in your soul, but trust me, this is not a good thing. Learn to breathe. Learn to relax. Learn to smile. Modern medicine is proven time after time. You know, God's given us a pharmacy in our body. When we laugh, that emotion triggers hormones, endorphins, that is greatly accepted by our body and in fact creates an overwhelmed sense of well-being. So laugh. It's not a sin. I hate to say it, I had them laughing at the funeral yesterday. It's okay to laugh even in the face of death. Maybe we should pay just a little more attention to statements that we find in the Scripture, our manual that says, hey guys, by the way, be joyful. Well, when? Always. 
Whoa. Always. Pray continually, but what? Give thanks in all circumstances. Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, yes, by prayer and petition, the spiritual side, with thanksgiving, the demeanor that you come across physically, what it's going to do, present your request to God. How that changes so much. Notice the attitude. It's not the non-existent aspect of pain and evil and suffering. God says, no, 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 that's going to be there. But even in those circumstances, it's how you approach them. And maybe not understanding, well, why? That seems so unreasonable. Don't you know I'm angry? Don't you know I'm in pain? Don't you know I'm hurting? And God says, there's more going on here that's so important with my relationship, with your relationship with others, with your body, with your health. You know, Moses said, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Boy, do you think he understood how blood carries nutrients, produce growth, blood clotting, uh, heal the body? Do you think he, he no, but God did. He, he created it. And so sometimes I just need an ex, tell me what I need to do, God. And so when God gave Moses the law, I love this part. It gets a little off. This is, this, I love hearing this stuff. To me, it's the fingerprint of God everywhere. There's specific laws and sanitation procedures that were given throughout the Old Testament. Things like, you know what, don't touch dead bodies. Uh, all these sanitation regulations regarding the burial bodies and put them outside the camp and periods of being unclean if you touch them. And by the way, if you find an animal that's naturally dead, guess what? Don't eat it. Why? Well, it might have died, it has infection. They didn't know what that was, but God said do that. Hey, have latrines as an army and everything. Go outside the camp. And Avon has instructions to take a tool, dig a hole, and bury it. And then there's a verse that says, oh, by the way, use running water when you wash your hands. We look at this and go, well, duh. We all know that. 216 of the 616 laws of the Torah had to do with medical regulations that ensured the health of the Israelites at that point in time. Oh, by the way, that's 3,500 years before the late 1800s when the doctor said, hey, all these ladies are dying giving birth, and he's trying to figure out there's a 30% death rate. What's going on? And suddenly they go, hmm. They go from surgery, they don't wash their hands, and they give birth to ladies and they're going wow and he says maybe there's something to do he watched the midwives the women already knew and he says you know they're washing their hands so he says let's try something let's wash our hands let's use running water not still water he got ridiculed for that 1800s good what are you talking about what what, what is there there's nothing there we don't see anything and suddenly they started that and the death rate dropped to 2%. The Black Plague caused over 6 million deaths, a third of Europe. They left the dead in the streets and the houses and that. And you know what started to change that? Some of the church leaders said, we've got to search the scriptures. What's going on? And they said, oh, bury the dead outside the camp. And they started applying some rules. See, God wired us. He wasn't going to sit there and say, I'm going to explain to you, you know, microbiology, the cellular life. He said, no. In fact, listen to Exodus 15, 26. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep 
all his decrees, I will not bring any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. It's amazing. Most people back then lived from gradle to grave with the odd bath in the 1800s. In fact, King James, who had the translation made for King James' Bible, was told never bathed once in his life. It was considered dangerous. 3,500 years ago, God took Israel and said, I need you to follow these rules, spiritual ones, physical ones. And they said, just want you to adhere to them. Do you realize in the wars prior to the 1900, five times as many people in warfare died from infection and disease than from the opposition? What do you think helped with the, the victories of Israel? Even circumcision on the eighth day, the best opportunity for blood clotting happens from day four to seven. Day eight, optimum. X. God created the matrix of the soul, body, mind, and emotions in its complexity and its entirety. And every day our cells are trying to live. We were created to live. But we don't just focus on living now and ignore the end. And we don't just focus on the end and eternity and ignore now. One author writes, he's going to go through this whole medical procedure and all that he knows. Listen to what he says in light of Thanksgiving weekend. He says in his book, to start things off, I want to give you something that is going to change your life immediately. It costs absolutely nothing. Got your ears? Costs nothing. And it is the most basic key to living better, stronger, and longer. In fact, I can tell you with 100% confidence that based upon detailed scientific analysis, it is the most important first step you can take to better, longer life. It is not a particular diet. It is not an exercise program or a supplement pad plan. And it is certainly not drugs. The key I'm referring to is cultivating a spirit of gratitude in life. And followed suit behind that was acts of kindness. Is that beginning to sound familiar? Yep. God told us a long time ago. Gratitude appears to be one of the strongest things we can do. You walk around miserable, you paying a price on so many different levels. And so our body has certain practices that God says, I just want you to adhere to them. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, but always try to be kind to each other. Always try to be kind to each other and to everyone. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks before God. Scripture's laying it out. Don't worry. Don't worry for tomorrow. You have enough today to deal with. See, there's trust issues with God, His presence, power of His Spirit to work in us. There's physical elements, spiritual elements. We are entering a phase of epigenetics, quantum physics, behavioral epigenetics, where they are now telling us it is not only nutrition and 
food and DNA that dictates color of eyes. They are now, not Christian scientists, secular ones, are now discovering there's realms that we're not understanding in quantum physics. There's realms in, in this behavioral epigenetics, the DNA markers that we used to call junk DNA, by the way, because we didn't know what 90% of DNA did. But now they're going, whoa, hey, there is something to this. And these markers are being turned on. And these markers are turned on by what? Even our attitudes, our experiences, and how we respond to them. And that these markers are changing physically cellular structure in our body. And then get this, they are saying, oh, and by the way, if you have children during this state, you are passing on these markers that have turned on for three to four generations. Does that sound familiar? I'm reading this stuff and I'm going, oh my goodness, the Bible had it right all along. Because our creator said, here it is. And we're now in a round thing, oh, we're so advanced, we're so smart, and we're going, we are so stupid. We think we know so much. And God says, no, just follow my rules. Follow the scriptures. Follow what I say is good for you. You know, devotional life, it's not just because you learned that in Sunday school and your mom thought, no, if you don't stay in touch with God, <laughs> you're losing out on so many levels. How we live with others. The role of faith and belief and prayer. That's taken an all new perspective. That microbiologist who was an atheist, he's not a Christian yet, but he's on a spiritual journey because he said, I can't look at all of this and turn a blind eye. Something else is involved here. So Paul writes, and I close, Philippians 4, 48. He says, here's some advice. Just read this in the manual and follow suit and there's a miracle about to happen. We read, rejoice in the Lord always. In case you didn't get that, he says, again, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That's huge. Not that you're right. No, your gentleness. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, but with thanksgiving, not with anger. And I get it, we're going to be angry sometimes. God understands that. But this is the manual. This is the intent. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And guess what happens? Listen. And the peace of God. <laughs> peace hits so many levels. The whole matrix that transcends all understanding. No one's going to understand. How can you walk through that and still have that attitude? How can you still smile? How can you still glorify God? The peace of God. And it'll guard your heart's emotions. It'll guard your mind, your thoughts, all in Christ Jesus. So finally he says, brothers, sisters, whatever is true, Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If I saturate my mind with Netflix and the killing and the destroying and the destruction and the hatred and the, the family fights and the breakup, and we love, I'm sorry, but we love eating that stuff up sometimes. But if that's all that's filling my mind, Versus this, 
God says, if there's not a renewal of your mind, guess what? You're paying a price. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. So he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or see in me, put into practice. Why? Because the God of peace will be with you. You will be at peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you again. What an honor and a privilege to walk and, and just to know that we are a walking miracle. You cannot look at the human body and the mind and the intricacies of everything we are. I, I can't even begin to understand what takes place when my new granddaughter was born and what's happening in her life in these first few days and weeks and months. And it is a miracle. And this miracle is now our opportunity to bring you glory and honor and put our place in the world in the right perspective and that we need you, we desperately need you. I need so many days that X planted in my heart or in my soul. I need to do things right because it's just going to be good for me on so many levels. And ultimately, I can stand with confidence before you in the throne room and praise you in person. But until then, God, will you use us, empower us, give us the wisdom to know and to understand and to walk in faith, but also in steps that you have laid out for us that just make sense. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.